was born in Portugal, lived in Portugal till I was 16, but uh, I came to uh, live with my mother. That's Command Sergeant Major Retired Mario Terenas describing his move to the United States at the age of 16 in the summer of 1985. I was raised by my grandparents, middle class, upper middle class family in Portugal. Uh, and then my mother, who I hadn't seen, uh, believe it or not, uh, for almost 10 years, came to see me in Portugal. And then uh, told me about how awesome and wonderful America was going to be. And um, I came to live with her. And what were Mario's first impressions of his new country? I remember we landed in, uh, in New York, in JFK. I do remember looking out the windows at JFK and thinking how sad and gloomy it was outside. Because, you know, Portugal, beautiful, sunny, you know, and everybody's happy. And then I'm in New York and everybody's different. And it's just, it just looked different. And then I went to Austin, Texas. I got out. I thought a couple of things. Good God, it's hot in this place. And then two, it was a clear day, but the sky's not really blue. And then everything else, and then the food is really horrible in this place. All they eat is hamburger and french fries. Mario knew it would be a rough transition, but he never could have predicted what his biggest challenge would be. My mother was uh, somewhat of a a wild uh, person. The first person that I ever saw snort cocaine was my mom. (laughs) It it doesn't get more weirder or tougher than that. And again, I'm the the kid that comes home, mom and dad are there, you got your dinner, you sit, and I come home to none of that. I'm like fending for myself and it's overnight. Was Mario ever tempted? People always ask me, you know, they, you know, they, how didn't you get into drugs and all that other stuff? My grandfather, when I was about maybe, I think, 11, 12, came to me and he said, Mario, if you do drugs, you'll have nightmares of rats. That cured me right then and there. He may not have been tempted, but his mother's addiction did end up making things worse for Mario. About three months uh, after uh, we moved in, uh, she left. She, uh, she took off. Uh, she met some folks and uh, she was gone. Uh, drug use, um, alcohol, all these other things. So I went from this very stable life to I'm alone in Austin, Texas. So, at the age of 16, Mario found himself abandoned and alone in a new country. After a few days of my mom not coming back, I sort of thought, okay, um, this is kind of weird. So I went and told the lady upstairs that, uh, I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know where my mom's at, but I said, but I have a job. Mario was attending school during the day and working at a Chinese restaurant until 1 a.m. every night. 
The landlady agreed, and Mario lived on his own in Austin for another 18 months. Later, he moved to Arkansas and eventually dropped out of school. But something came along to help him overcome his past and show him a way forward. Here's a kid living on a street, surviving, obviously, from the age of 16 to the age of 21. And I joined the Army, so everything I have, the Army's given to me, because here I am 32 years later. I had a career that hopefully made me into an individual character, and, and here I am. And you, you can't beat that, you know what I mean? Mario Terenas went from being abandoned at the age of 16 to becoming a top army leader and sergeant, commanding some of the top divisions and inspiring thousands of soldiers around the world. He did so by being honest, showing care and compassion for the men and women that reported to him, and also logging on to Instagram. In today's episode, our hosts sit down with Mario to talk about his personal journey, how he learned to stay humble throughout his career, and, most notably, how Mario used Instagram to connect with his soldiers and become a far better leader. And perhaps a bit of an influencer? I'm Carrie varu and this is Army Matters. Defining Possible starts at Northrop Grumman. With over 90,000 employees, including 16,000 veterans, Northrop Grumman is committed to pushing the limits of possible to deliver a safer, smarter future for America's warfighters and everyone they protect. Visit NGC.com to see how they're defining possible every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Army Matters. We got a great show in store for you today. Yeah. I am Sergeant Major of the Army Retired Daniel Daly, the 15th SMA, and my good friend on the mic alongside of me. Where you at, sir? I'm Lieutenant General Leslie Smith. Since we're being formal today, or you can call me Les, I'm the 66th Inspector General. You know, Dan and I used to watch out for each other at the Pentagon. Speaking of watching out, Dan, I was looking for you on Instagram. Are you on Instagram, brother? Well, I'm not a user, but I think it's cool because my team uses it to highlight videos of our awesome soldiers doing cool things in their jobs. We use it here at Association of the United States Army, too. I actually follow them. I have an Instagram page, but that, it's like 68,109. No, is that 68 million? That can't be. 68 million. Is that how many followers you have? No, I think we have that many posts. Oh, we have 68 million posts? I, I doubt that. I doubt that. Can you see it? See that? It says 68109402. Yeah. Right. What is that? You know she'll, what? She'll the, let us know. Yeah. You know, I'm quickly figuring out that you and I don't know a whole lot about social media. I do. You do? Uh, it, you know what? Um, no, no. AUSA.org was number 68 million to join. Hey, that's what it is. Oh, I clicked on it and it told me. You're the 68th millionth customer on Instagram. Yes, on basically. Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So oh. so that's what that is. So um, 
What other social media are you on? Me right now. I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There's a little story behind my social media fall. I was being victimized by, by people. Yeah, me too. They had Blue Eye Daily sites. They had all kinds of sites, and they're pretending to be me. And and one of the worst ones, and thank God I had already, I already closed the site. I had a Facebook page, and I closed it, and I got a call from then the chief of staff, now the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, and he said, I have a very serious question for you, and I need an answer right now. Mm-hmm. Did you just post vote for Donald Trump on your uh, Facebook page? I need to know because there's people want an answer right now. I said, sir, I can make this so easy. I don't even have a Facebook page. But – there was about 40 people a week falsifying me on Facebook. Yeah. The only thing we could do, eventually, Facebook asked us to just take our, the real one down so that way none of them are real. You know, it's, uh, it's hard. And then it stemmed into my personal life, too. Twitter is a little bit harder for people to do that on, yeah. so uh, that's why I kept the Twitter page. So Yeah. I'm not really a social media butterfly. I'm just not. You're not? Well, I, I kind of use it to tell all the good things uh, that happen. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, and especially LinkedIn that happen every day for our army. Well, sir, I think it's time to bring our guest out on the show. Former division command sergeant major. Yeah. Former commanding general of cadet command, responsible for all the cadets that we, we commissioned minus West Point and all the junior ROTC locations across the United States, really the world. Well, he was the command sergeant major, sir, not the commanding general. Yeah, Command Sergeant Major. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was in charge. <laughs> he was in charge. He was in sorry. charge. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell the commanding general that, though. No, no. I yeah. will. We I know won't. how it works. Yeah. He is a, an outstanding, uh, an American, a true soldier for life, a great team member here at the Association of United States Army. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we have Command Sergeant Major retired Mario Tyrannis. We had him here today to talk about his 32-year career in the Army. And now he's an Instagram superstar. So, Dan, why don't we just jump into it? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Command Sergeant Major Retired Mario Perinas. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, just humbled to uh, be in a podcast with such magnificent leadership. Oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah. So, like they said, I, I work at AUSA. I, I have to say these things. No, yeah. you don't. It's, it's Come required. on, man. <laughs> you know what you need to work on? Your sincerity. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> Come on, man. Come hey, on. I'm climbing to glory, okay? Okay. You all are right. climbing to glory. We're That's proud right. to have you on the team. I brag about it all the time that you're yeah, out here. We've got a great uh, team. You could work on that uh, sincerity a little bit. But hey, let's let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. Before we, well, let, let, let me hold on. Let, before we get into this, you know, uh-huh. I'm friends with Mario and we talk and have coffee in the morning. He'll stop in and, and uh, Mario, you just, you just recently retired, right? And you moved to the great state of Pennsylvania, of which I am a resident. Absolutely. And, uh, and you got a house and he, he comes to my office every morning and wants to know, hey, Dan, I'm working on this. Or, hey, Dan, I'm working on this because he knows I'm a big woodworker. I think that automatically automatically sends a clear message that I am the superior fix-it guy and woodworker, and Mario is just an apprentice learning now, but he's got his whole house torn apart. Tell us a little bit about that quick, Mario. I want to start from the beginning and why I come to your office, um, <laughs> and, and it's got nothing to do with your magnificent aptitude to you know build things and make remodeling in the home. <laughs> maybe, I just maybe a want- little. Maybe a, little. A, a little bit, a little but bit, really yeah. it comes down to when things go wrong, because my wife's got this 
thought process that I'm really good at fixing stuff and building <laughs> things. But when it goes wrong, I can just say, well, Dan told me to Dan do it told that way. Me. Oh. I mean, that, that's what the SMA told me. Yes, that's the way yeah. to do it. Yes, the so four really, SMA. I uh, like that one. It's not so much for your aptitude as it is a sort of cover my behind type of thing. You know what I mean? I'm with you. Nice. But no, I, all kidding aside, uh, SMA Daily has <laughs> given me a lot of instructions that otherwise it would have been a complete disaster. So I, I, I do appreciate that. Now, you know, no, Mario, you saying that he's going to be, you know, like really. I know. Uh, yeah, I know. My gosh. Well, Les, I can tell you, I always take back advice from my great mother. She always said, honey, you don't have to be good at everything. But it sure helps if you are. All right, let's oh, go to the next question. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, okay, is this going to be a Sergeant Major love fest? Okay, is that There's what this no, is going to no, be? No, no, no. Okay, not. all right, all right. We're here to talk about you, Mario, not me. So let's get into it. Now, you were born in Portugal and moved to the U.S. when you were roughly 16 years old. Tell us what that transition was like. My mom spoke English to me from basically the day I was born until she left. So I became fluent. The, the only difficulty I had, to tell you the truth, was uh, reading and writing in English. I, I, when I came to the States at 16, I pro probably wrote and, uh, and read English sort of like somebody in high school does with Spanish, if, you, if, you, if that's an example you can use. Absolutely. But it was, uh, it was a little bit of, a, of a adapting uh, when I came to the States. It's a second day in the United States in Austin, Texas. I lived close to the University of Texas in a place called 30th and Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. I went and walked around and this is the 80s, you know, and video games are all over and, you know, you had the arcades were all over the place. I, I know uh, it's a, a, a little modern for General Smith so because he's about 100 years old. So they, he didn't have that stuff growing up. <laughs> Yeah, I had to throw that out there. But <laughs> anyway, I went to play this video game and I was really enjoying it. And, uh, and all of a sudden I get, I, I actually make it through all the stages and, and in the screen it comes, you know, you saved the princess. Thank you, Mario. And I flipped out. I thought, oh my God, America's awesome. The video game knows who I am. They know my name. This is a true story. Name. I talked to the guy next yeah. to me. I said, man, this is incredible. And he said, uh, dude, the name of the game is Mario Brothers. Um, it yeah. is how your name. Yeah. But, but that, really, that sort of illustrates how um, adapting to America was, to tell you the truth. So, yeah. That was a great story. But I know that you also had some very tough times. Can you tell us about the darkest moments you had? Talk about imprinting. And this is moments in your life which you don't, you don't ever forget. So it's uh, not long after my mom left, I had a bike and my, my thing was to go ride my bike in downtown Austin. I just love to ride my bike in the middle of the night, like three in the morning, I'd be riding my bicycle in the middle of Austin. And uh, if you know Austin, I don't know if you've ever been to Austin, Texas, there's a river and there's a huge bridge river. Then the other side, there's an awesome park. And then there's the river walk. And you know, it's kind of a river park where you ride. But I was on that bridge contemplating that maybe I should just give it all up. So I, I, that was probably my darkest moment. Like I, like I'm, you know, I left everything I had. My mom is freaking gone. 
I don't know what the future looks like whatsoever. I didn't have any future, to tell you the truth, at that point in my mind. And I, and that was it. I was just going to put an end to it. And, and one of the things I always talked to soldiers about was, you know, so there's this sense that this stigma that if you're suicidal or you think about it, there's something less of you, you know, especially in the Army, weakness, yada, yada, yada. Where I was in the speaking with them is like every single one of us at one point or another in our lives have had a thought and and it's how you overcome and how you go past it that makes the difference i was lucky uh maybe it was my grandmother in the back of my head telling you know it's going to be okay that sort of thing so but yeah i think that was a pretty dark (laughs) dark moment in my life there wow i never heard that story before mario Thanks for sharing that with us. I'll tell you one, uh, just real quick, maybe something. You know, the whole suicide thing starts, um, or not started, but, you know, we really start paying a whole lot more attention. I'm a division sergeant major, and I'm I'm thinking, and I had three suicides in 72 hours. 10th Mountain Division actually had the lowest suicide rate across the Army, and then all of a sudden I have three suicides in 72 hours. And it destroyed me, it destroyed me and my commander. And I said, enough's enough. I'm done talking about it, whatever. I'm just going to take action. I went to every single battalion and uh, brigade in the entire division to include going down to Fort Johnson now. And I separated groups into E1 to E4. So that's the private to specialist. Then I had the sergeant and staff sergeant group. And then I had the sergeant first class and above. And I had usually about 20 of them uh, per session. And so what I did with these folks was I posed them a question. What does the act of suicide mean to you? What do you think of the act of suicide? That was the beginning of the discussion. But really, the, the answer didn't matter. It was about getting these folks. And I made it non-attributional. So whatever we spoke about inside the room, stayed in the room. It's just about me starting to get a sense from the entire division of different groups. So where where are we at with this thing? One, I was very open. You know, a lot of us are guarded with these stories about what's happened. And there's been other occasions in my life where I had some pretty struggles and, and, and like was in a very dangerous spot. I talked to him about it. And that opened up the room like crazy. Because here they are, they look at a division sergeant major, you got it made, you got it all together, you never thought about, and then all of a sudden there's this guy telling you, he's like, yeah, hey man, I was gonna schwack myself. And then the last thing I found out was the fact that most of them said, we are never off. We never have time for ourselves. And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, when we get off, there's cell phones, computers, emails, texts, chat groups. One kid said, if I don't get an email or a text Sunday night, I can't sleep. I was like, all right, I, you lost me there. I don't, I don't get it. He goes, no, you, you, yeah, you don't get it because I get so much crap that if I don't get it, then I think I missed something or I'm in trouble or they don't care about me or they're leaving, or I've been excluded from the group. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. Kids are saying, I get texts at midnight to tell me to be at PT at six in the morning. I was like, no kidding, son. <laughs> Everybody goes to PT at six in the morning. <laughs> it's like, so we, so we took all that and we created the cell phone policy, which became a huge thing. 
So I went to the boss and I said, hey, boss, I say we do a digital policy, cell phone policy that says after six o'clock, 1800 in the afternoon until the start of the next duty day, unless it's an emergency, there's no digital communication. Leaders are forbidden in the division from communicating digitally, like let them go off. Because what I found out is you take an individual who already has marital problems, girlfriend problems, boyfriend problems, and then on top of it all, you're getting constant bombarded by the military with stuff. It's crazy. And, and you can't sleep. I was a division sergeant major. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I can't go back to sleep. I, I can't go back. Mario, again, thanks for sharing this story. This is something the Army has been placing a lot of emphasis on. Now, let's go back. You had that dark moment of your life on the bridge. And then... A few years later, you decided to become a soldier. How did that come about? So um, from the very inception, I, I think I always had this innate desire to become a soldier. I was born in Portugal, in Lisbon, Portugal, and lived uh, not too far outside of that until uh, I was 16. So my mother was American. My father was Portuguese. They met when my mom and her family uh, lived in Portugal. Uh, my father was actually uh, a company commander of the Portuguese army, and he fought in the Portuguese colonial wars. My great-grandfather, believe it or not, was also an officer for the Portuguese army during World War I. Uh, and then my grandfather fought as a, um, a volunteer during the, uh, the Spanish uh, Civil War, right during the World War II timeframe. You know, my parents separated, and at the age of 16, uh, I came uh, to the United States to live with my mother. A little bit of a, a rough uh, patch there, uh, sort of living on my own. Went to Texas, Austin, Texas, uh, and went to high school there. Ended up in places like Russellville, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, ended up in Florida. I was working three jobs. And uh, one day I saw a commercial. And uh, that commercial brought me to the Army, believe it or not. And it sounds like crazy, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe you said it. Be all you can be. It sure got me. And tell us how it got you. So um, I just came out of a long shift at 7-Eleven and uh, Kuwait had just been invaded by Iraq. So uh, I'm watching CNN. CNN's the biggest thing since, uh, you know, it's coming out. This commercial comes out, it's a helicopter, it comes in, and then this guy rappels out of the helicopter, he's fully camouflaged, he lands down on the ground, he takes a knee, and he looks at the camera, and he says, United States Army Ranger, be all that you can be. And that was it. I was like, that's it, that's it, that's what I'm going to do. Holy cow, I'm in. And uh, a couple months later, I was in basic training thinking to myself, oh man, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. But, yeah. it, you know, obviously, um, 32 years later, it was possibly the best decision of my freaking life. That's for sure. Best marketing campaign, uh, not only for the Army, but I think it was actually back then rated by even the civilian marketing campaigns as one of the best marketing campaigns ever. You know, the tune, be all that you, you can, can be, because right. we need you in, in the, the Army. Army. All right. When that Ranger, when he looked at the camera and he, point, he was pointing at me, not anybody else. He was telling me. And that that's the way I was like, yes, I'm going to be that guy. 
even though I didn't think I possessed the mental and physical aptitudes to be that, that there told me I'm going to be that guy. So Mario, that led to a 32-year Army career, finishing as a command sergeant major for an Army warfighting division and being very, very popular with your troops. There had to be a few obstacles. Can you tell us some of the learning moments that you had? Yeah, so I'm ashamed to say that up to a certain point, I was constantly the guy that was below the zone. You the man. Yeah, I was. I was awesome. You know, I mean, <laughs> I was a beautiful specimen of a human being, genetically superior. Always got picked for everything. But I just got done with my time as a, a commandant uh, of an NCO academy, a brigade-level position. And Explain to our listeners real quick what a commandant is. A commandant's a, a dean of a institution of learning. So I was the dean for what we call the basic leaders course that takes young soldiers from being enlisted to non-commissioned officer. Okay. So I, I just got done with being a commandant, and, and I was assured that uh, I was going to go to a second brigade. So the list came out, and I opened it up, and I scanned through the primaries. I scanned through it, and my name wasn't on it at all. So I said, oh, my God, I, I'm, I guess I made the uh, alternate list. And I went to the alternate list, and I wasn't there either. I was destroyed. I thought, that's it. It's over but what that did, you know, the, the story's long. I ended up because I was selected for the nominative list and all that other stuff. But what that did for me is make me stop believing in my own legend. So You mean your own press clippings? Yeah, yep, you name it. I think that was really a turning point for me to say, hey, look, the Army knows. It is funny. Again, the love fest continues, but not long before that, SMA Daily had actually visited the academy. Uh, he came up to Korea and, and spent uh, quite a few hours with us at the academy. Anytime the SMA comes to visit your organization, it's huge. But he had talked about hubris, and I listened and I agreed and smiled. And it was not until I got not selected for something that it hit me. Be humble, man, and, yeah. and be appreciative of what... You were given in the positions of authority that you were given to that point and just do the job. Don't right. do the job for the next position. Do the job for the army, for the soldiers. Now, Mario, there's another story that, that you got to tell us about. Something about Antonio Banderas, broken office items, and some really good advice. Tell us how that fits together. I mean, you know, I could kind of see the Antonio Banderas part. If I squint enough. Oh, no, no, no. I, I think Antonio Banderas looks like me. I think you oh, need to my let's get back to hubris. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, it's getting deep in here. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Tell us how Antonio looks like you. Well, my wife tells me I look like Antonio Banderas and that's all that Well, that's important. Is the wife does it tell yes, you that? Yes. That's right. You know, again, another one of those great moments in my career when I thought I was going to be a brigade maneuver sergeant major and I got a call telling me that I was going to be a commandant. Um, and I thought, no, I joined the Army to be the Airborne Ranger. I'm a maneuver kind of guy. I'm not a, a dean of an institution of learning. And uh, I went to my office and had a little tissy fit, broke a bunch of stuff, went home, told my wife that my career is over, I'm done for. And then my wife said, so let me get this straight. 
you've been talking about non-commissioned officers and the need for them to be professionally developed. And a lot of them are not where they're supposed to be. And now you have the opportunity to become a person that is going to obviously have a huge impact on NCO development. And you're upset about it? She says, I don't get it. And I was like, come on, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not in the army. So she is uh, 10 times smarter than me. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Commandant was by far the best job I ever had in the army. Mary, I've met Mrs. Terrenus. Yeah. She's she's 15 times smarter than you. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I'll let her know. I'm sure she's listening to this and agree. Okay, Mario. Tell us about you going around as a command sergeant major, policing flapping tarps on the back of vehicles. Can you tell us the significance of that? Why is that so important? So when I got to 10th Mountain Division, I, I was looking around and I remember seeing driving down the road, these FMTVs with flaps just flapping all over the place where no one really cared and they're ripping and it's just not who we are as a professional army and obviously no ownership. So the army did something really somewhat uh, stupid. They gave me a truck with cop lights on it. And no, they did. As a, as a division sergeant major? As a division sergeant oh major, Oh my yeah. gosh. So I, I said, hey, I'm just pulling these trucks over and that's what I did and I would bring the crews out. And then we would proceed to fix the problem. But it really was about creating ownership back. And, and it was, it was uh, fantastic to see how quickly, just by a few actions, and not walking past the problem, and it became my mantra, don't walk past the problem. In creating that culture across the division, we start to see a very quick transformation of pride ownership by just don't walk past the problem. That's it. Yeah. And I'm sure that changed the culture and the climate in the organization. It absolutely did. It, it absolutely did. Uniting the joint forces to ensure mission success. That's defining possible. Northrop Grumman and their team of over 16,000 veterans are transforming technology to advance the ways our joint forces secure us on the ground and around the world. Learn more at ngc.com and discover how you too can start defining possible. On the morning of June 6, 1944, Army Rangers stormed the cliffs of Point Duhop just off the beaches of Normandy. This feat of teamwork has not only inspired generations of soldiers, but now has sparked a new look for AUSA. Stay tuned for the reveal of AUSA's new logo on our website, social media, and elsewhere on October 9th. Welcome back. And we're here with the one, the only, Antonio Banderas. No, no, I'm sorry. I mean, Mario Tyrannis. Now, Mario, many leaders today talk about social media and its importance. You're one of the rare ones that actually used it to become a better leader. Tell us how you implemented Instagram as part of your command. 
I have 19,526 soldiers the day I lift 10th Mountain Division. And how do I communicate to 19,526 soldiers? Yeah, you know, there's a chain of command, there's all these things, but how do I communicate? You put them in formation. Put them in <laughs> formation, that's right. And by the way, these are soldiers that are spread out around the world, from Afghanistan to Syria to Iraq. At one time, we had soldiers in four combatant commands. And also, how do I really know about the issues that are important that we need to solve? So when I first started with the Instagram, I was doing, hey, I'm Mario Torinas. I really care about you. And it wasn't genuine. <laughs> so, so it wasn't. I, I would be the first one. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to be me. Use the platform with dignity and respect, but I'm just going to be me. And I'm going to communicate and I'm going to give them a venue to communicate back. And it took fire. We needed identity. We needed a purpose. We needed to know who we are as 10th Mountain Division. So I created this mountain tough attitude. I don't need planes. I don't need trains. I don't need FMTVs and tanks and nothing like that. I don't need parachutes. I just need a pair of boots, a rucksack. I'm a mountain tough soldier. And we started using that with Instagram. But more importantly, honestly, it was a way to communicate back to the soldiers, listen to their issues and answer back. I just communicated with them and it was huge. It was great for us. That's great. Mario, was, was there a specific moment that you discovered how effective Instagram could be in communicating with your soldiers? It really started with energy drinks, believe it or not. So I'm in my office and the aide for the deputy commanding commander of 10th Mountain Division came in and said, hey, Sergeant Major, did you ban energy drinks from post? I said, no, just leave me alone. These guys would come in and mess with me. And we had a great relationship with those kids, but I said no. But all day long, something was going viral. Uh, so it came in the WTF and all those folks. By the way, I got one thing about WTF at the end. It's just the proudest moment of my life. But they kept saying, hey, they've banned energy drinks from Fort Drum, and they're saying it's you. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. All right, so this went all day long. And then I went home. And my two daughters were home. Actually, my oldest was home from West Point. And I said, hey, did you guys go to the shop at? Did they ban energy drinks? And my daughter's like, I don't know. We weren't there. And then my wife, again, the genius that she is, looks at us and says, well, why don't you go to the shop at and check, pal? So I grabbed my daughters and we went to the shop at. Of course, the energy drinks were there. So I said, you know what? I'm going to post this on Instagram right now. So I grabbed the soldier that was sitting there and say, hey, you want to be here with the division Sergeant Major? And he goes, yeah, sure, Sergeant Major. And I said, hey, look, so here I am. I did not ban energy drinks. They're right here. And so I told the soldier, I said, hey, I need you to sort of be the verifying individual on this. He goes, hey, no, Sergeant Major did not ban energy drinks. They're in the shop at. Up to that point, if I posted something on Instagram, you get like the 40 likes, the 100 likes. It was cool. Uh, so by the time I drove from the Chopette back to uh, my home, I think it was already at two, 3,000. And that was in a matter of, of about, you know, 10 minutes. And then it went crazy. And it was in thousands of comments. And I replied to all the comments and they were all positive. So one kid wrote, all right, people, put your pitchforks away, call in the rioters. This guy's actually okay. That was the moment where I knew, hey, this makes sense. So what happened was I wanted healthy alternatives in the barracks. 
a certain folks that run that, I'm not going to say it here, decided to put a sign up that said, by the order of the Command Sergeant Major 10th Mountain Division, no more <laughs> energy drinks. But I knew then that there was something to Instagram. And it, and it just built from that point. And I embraced it. I actually started following all the little memes pages. And when things came out, I talked to them about it, either verified or said, no, this is not true to a point where they started coming to me ahead of time. And I was telling you, WTF, greatest, proudest moment. They sent me a plaque. At home, I have saying, thank you for what you've done. So I, I got a plaque from WTF really? saying mm. thank you. That's pretty wow. awesome. Well, you're not the only one that has spent some time with WTF. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, sir. You were in the front page. <laughs> Yeah, who was on the front page? Not me. You, sir. Oh, Not yes, me. sir. Oh, no, my no, God. it was another guy. <laughs> I got a question. Was that plaque worth more than $19.99? Oh. No, as a matter of fact, it was $12.99 because oh, it was okay, made right. out of composite wood. Because you would have had to send it back. All right, let's go on to the broken <laughs> toilet. The broken yes, toilet. broken toilet. Broken toilet. So I got this call uh, on Instagram that said, hey, Sergeant Major, you're a really big hero. You're fixing all this stuff in the barracks. But uh, I don't believe it because I've been pooping in a broken toilet seat for the last three months. Mm -hmm. And I wrote back and I said, hey, man, send me your name, number, where your room is at, and I'll be there. And usually these kids would write that. They would just delete the post or something. No, this kid actually gave me his information. So I jumped in the truck, drove down there, and no kidding, he'd been pooping on a broken toilet seat for three months. So Did he break it? No. No. Oh, I no. mean, okay. I it, was it was broken when he moved in. So what I did was I brought the entire leadership in, Brigade 11 below, and asked him how that happened. Of course, all the excuses, this. End result, I asked the first owner, I said, hey, do you have a bathroom in your office? To which he replied, yes. I said, Doyle, go get me the toilet seat out of your bathroom. Whoa. And then I asked a couple other folks to give me some tools. When they came, I grabbed the tools and I started changing the toilet seat. So of course, everything from brigade sergeant major, battalion sergeant major and say, hey, we, we got it. These guys can do it. And I said, no, no, you missed your chance. You had three months to do what I'm doing in about 20 minutes. It's too late. So now your division sergeant major is going to take his pause and touch a toilet seat where thousands of other soldiers have done their business. And I'm going to change it myself. Not because I'm a hero, it's just too late, man. It's you had your chance. Here I go. Did it stay on after you put it on? It did. It did. But have you ever changed the toilet seat in the barracks? Not in the barracks, but I've changed many a toilet seat. No. In the barracks, I changed it and I didn't have gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Are you trying to say it was not that clean? No. After that, I knew that I would always survive COVID. So I was fine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I recall there was a video that went viral that demonstrated poor shooting standards by your soldiers. Can you tell us about that and how you used Instagram to fix it? So there were some soldiers, 10th Mountain Division, shooting shoot house, pointing weapons at each other. Absolutely unsafe. One of the kids had a, a camera and uh, it went viral and it was going crazy. Another one of those like the energy drink thing. So they came to me and said, this thing is going viral and what are we going to do? And all the proposed, and I said, no, just bring the camera up. We'll post it on Instagram. And basically what I said was, first I asked, is this us? So they brought me back the information within an hour. And then I just replied, 
yes, I took ownership. This is us. It hurt. I told them it hurt to say, this is us. I said, it's not the standard and we're going to fix it. And that was it. I just took ownership. What was telling, and maybe a, a lesson for the rest of the folks out there, was that over 100,000 likes and, and views of the video and over thousands of comments, a lot of them positive, and, and a lot of them were about refreshing that a leader taking responsibility. But I did it because it was the right thing to do. But what really struck me is I think the majority of leaders in the army take accountability for their mistakes. They do that. But the perception, the perception and the fact that they don't use social media, they don't use the venues to go out to the public and say, yep, did it, man. It was me and I'm going to fix it and I'm going to do everything I can to not let it happen again. That's the important part. That's awesome. Okay. One final question. What's the Instagram post that you regret the most? You know, the one you wish you would have never sent? We did this post where I said, I I don't need airplanes and parachutes and I don't need helicopters uh, at all. And then the next thing I know, I get uh, about 3,000 soldiers from the cab going, Sergeant Major doesn't love us. He doesn't (laughs) like helicopters. And I was like, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, I actually had to delete that post. It was a really good post, too. It's in the snow and stuff. It was really awesome. But uh, you got to be, you got to include everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a regret sometimes to not uh, include all kinds of folks. Okay. Hold on. Hold on, Dan. Before we go, I have to ask Mario one final question. You have a daughter who just graduated from West Point. What lessons have you learned from her now that she's an Army officer? I always thought of myself as a pretty humble individual, but looking at her just just humbles me even more. To really see my daughter become, one, graduate from West Point, two, become an Army officer, it's just unbelievably humbling. I always thought of myself as a disciplined individual, I, I'm nothing compared to her. This is an individual that does PT three times a day when she doesn't have to. She makes her bed every day at 5.30 in the morning because she she listened to, to Admiral McRaven. I mean, that those are the big things. Being humble and, and honestly, the level of discipline that it takes to be her, it inspires me every day. Well, Mario, I think you're full of lessons yourself. And you shared quite a few of them with us today. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I'd like to say just one more thing. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible service and sacrifice to this great nation. And thanks for all you continue to do here for our soldiers and their families at AUSA. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you, sir. As we just heard, Command Sergeant Major Retired Mario Torinas oversaw the training of thousands of young soldiers around the world. In today's chapter spotlight, we'd like to point out a group that's created an innovative program to increase the numbers of young soldiers enlisting in the Army. Recognizing the current national recruiting challenge, North Texas Audie Murphy Chapter President, Dr. Patty McCoy, decided to do something about it. She and her chapter concluded that most recruiters are thrust into the role with minimal training and teamed up with the Fort Worth-based Forest Performance Group to remedy that. Together, they created the Warrior Sales Program, 
a 13-week program that instills the fundamentals of sales training for new recruiters. And the results? Enlistments in the area have gone up 108% and are quickly rising. The chapter, along with Dr. McCoy, have received media coverage for their initiative and have also been given the 2023 AUSA's Best Chapter Award for demonstrating innovation, dedication, and outstanding education and leadership. Congrats to Dr. McCoy, Jason and Mary Forrest of the Forrest Performance Group, and everyone else that played a role. If you or your chapter would like to be profiled on the show, please email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Hua. Giving warfighters the ultimate high ground. That's defining possible. From below the sea to above the atmosphere, Northrop Grumman is pioneering the future of technology in every domain, ensuring America's warfighters are prepared to take on any challenge. Learn more at ngc.com and start your journey to defining possible today. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Army Matters is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at ausa.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission, educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and supporters of a strong national defense. Today's episode was hosted by Lieutenant General Retired Les Smith and SMA Retired Dan Daly, an anchor hosted by Carrie Barrow Heckes. Anthony Del Call is the producer and writer, and Andy Bosnack is the supervising sound editor. Unzinga Curry is the executive producer, and the senior producers are Carrie Barrow Heckes and LaSharon Duncan. Be sure to subscribe to Army Matters wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review. As you know, we love seeing stars in the Army, especially if it comes in the form of a five-star review. AUSA's Army Matters podcast can also be heard on Reese Across America Radio on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, on the iHeartRadio app, the Odyssey app, and the TuneIn app with the search of the word Reef. AUSA's Army Matters podcast primary purpose is to entertain. The podcast does not constitute advice or services. While guests are invited to listen, listeners, please note that you're not being provided professional advice from the podcast or the guest. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of AUSA. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. I'm with Sharon Duncan. Hope you have a great Army day. Hooah.